Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and Janine Yunus uh, hosting today. And we are joined by our colleague uh, at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, Kara Rollins, uh, who is a litigation counsel here at the uh, NCLA. And and Kara, uh, well, first of all, welcome back to Administrative Static. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great, great to have you with us. And you uh, were the author of a renewed petition for rulemaking that uh, that NCLA uh, and, and not just NCLA, but some some clients uh, as well submitted uh, to the SEC this past week. Uh, tell us uh, what what is this petition for rulemaking uh, about, and and why are there clients on this petition? Uh, NCLA has done a lot of petitions over the years, but usually it's just been an NCLA's own name without any without any additional clients. Um, yeah, so the, the SEC has had this rule on the books. It's a housekeeping rule. It wasn't subject to notice and comment rulemaking. Um, it's been on the books since the 70s. And essentially it says, it's well, it's our policy that if you take a no admit, no deny settlement offer, then you can never say anything that essentially calls into a question what the SEC has put into the complaint. So we call it a gag. It is a prior restraint on speech. It is a clear First Amendment violation. It is not something the agency can get in litigation if they were to win. Um, and certainly they can't just ask for it. So it's got a whole bunch of constitutional issues with it. So back in 2018, um, I, th- I believe you and our colleague Peggy Little had filed a petition for review, which is um, the Administrative Procedure Act has some processes that you can go to an agency and say, hey, you know. Clean up a, your own act. Clean, clean up your own act. <laughs> or we think this new rule is is a good idea and we have this proposal. In this case, we said, you know, amend the rule and just get rid of the gag provision. And so that was October 30th, 2018. Here we are five years later. And for our listeners, I think you've probably heard that we have litigated the gag rule a couple of times. We've sort of gotten stymied by procedural challenges as opposed to merits challenges, whether or not this violates the First Amendment. And so we've gone back and said, hey, SEC, you can't just ignore us forever. Um, And that's one of the reasons we brought in some of our clients, including Barry Romerill and Aaron Novinger, who are involved in active or were involved in active challenges to the gag, their gags, as well as Ray Lucia, which is going to be a familiar name. Um, he was the lead party in uh, Lucia versus SEC, which sort of was the watershed moment at the Supreme Court several years ago that really looked at the internal processes at SEC and the administrative adjudications there and how they're unconstitutional. The cases that we talk about a lot, Cochrane Axon, Jarkissi just this year, those are all sort of byproducts of Ray's win. Well, what did Ray actually win? He had to go back into the process again. Um, and ultimately, as a result of that process and not having the financial wherewithal to fight the government for another decade, he had to settle. He's subject to these ga- one of these gags, um, as are, you know, Mr. Novinger and Mr. Romero. Yeah. And so, you know, every day these guys wake up, and they're not young. And they're perfectly fine. We've disclosed their ages in the petitions. They're not young. They're not getting any younger. And every day they are they wake up and they are silenced again by the SEC. Well, and I know that when when uh, Barry Romerol first came to us, one of the things he said was that one of his co-defendants in the case had died recently and went mm-hmm. to his grave never being able to tell his side of the story publicly. And I think that really hit home mm-hmm. for, for Barry that this could be me too in a few years that, that I'll never mm-hmm. be able to sort of say my say my piece. Yeah, and, and, and on that point, you know, there might be some listeners saying, well, do we want these people out there saying something against the government? And my answer, that's absolutely yes. Because what ends up happening, and we see this all the time, particularly with the SEC, agencies like them that have aggressive enforcement agendas and tend to prefer 
regulation by enforcement rather than issuing actual rules subject to notice and comment is then the only story that's told is the government's story. And that provides no notice to the market. It provides no notice to investors about what is or is not illicit conduct. And moreover, individuals like Mr. Lucia or Mr. Romero or Mr. Novinger can't say anything about the process. And one thing that we know from dealing with agencies, particularly SEC over the years, is how absolutely abusive the process is. They will drag your name. They will drag your friends into it. They will threaten you. And they can't say anything about that. Yeah. Threaten family members sometimes. I yeah. Mean, you know, we've seen that uh, as well. And so then people settle. Right. Yeah. And all I mean, you have to have some means in order to fight this at all, right? If you don't have yeah, I mean, I, I think so. The only sort of public numbers, and so nobody wants to open their books on what these are, but Chamber of Commerce had done a study years ago and said up until the Wells process, that's all the pre-enforcement investigation, cost companies about one, one and a half million dollars to defend on an SEC action. Once you get into court, it gets more expensive. Nelson Obis, who went through this years ago, I think had a Wall Street Journal article. He said it cost $12 million to defend. And so, you know, how many people do you know with $12 million <laughs> kicking around? Yeah. And then it gets coupled with this sort of insulting thought that comes into the, the court's mind of, well, this is just the cost of being a regulated entity. And if I'm a small broker dealer or I'm a small investor and I get under the, the sort of crosshairs of the SEC, I'm on the hook for millions of dollars, whether or not I have that. And is that the cost? Is going bankrupt the cost of entering a regulated market? I just don't think it is. But the SEC sort of knows it has this power over people to twist their arms. So we see overpleading and complaints. So our clients in Spartan had that. 14 counts, they lost 13, and one of our clients was fully exonerated by a jury. And so we see this over and over again, and this is just another mechanism. The other side doesn't get told because the gag exists, and it's time for it to go. Yeah, and, and you know, there's nothing that limits the amount of money that the government spends on these on these cases. So it doesn't matter if they're coming after you for something relatively small or, or minor. It's mm -hmm. not as I mean. So I mean, just to, to throw a number out there, if you're accused of of a twenty five thousand dollar penalty, they're allowed to spend twelve million dollars to go after you on that if they're if they're so inclined. There's no, yeah, you know, it's just their own discretion. Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, I, I've sat in that on that other side of the table, whether it's in a deposition or at trial. And it's like, to me, it's like The Sims. Like, I can see the government money rolling up as we're sitting through this thing that I think is just awful because and unnecessary. Because typically there's one or two lawyers on our side and, and yeah. they'll, they'll bring a team of Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like, as a ta like, I'm offended for my client most of the time. I'm sort of offended on, like, a logical sense because I think their arguments aren't great. And then I'm offended as a taxpayer because I'm seeing how much money is rolling up. Um, and so, but, yeah, they have, they have no limits on what they can spend, at least that I'm aware of. So what does the petition ask the SEC to do exactly? It's it's uh, deny this or do something about it, you cowards. It's probably the better way to, to say it. Um, you know, yeah. it's been five years. We've litigated this in the courts. We very clearly know the government's position from that litigation. They think this rule is fine. They think that they can ask for these types of unconstitutional conditions as a term of settlement, and they're not going to move. And the, we think that the reason they're not acting on this and haven't acted on it is that once they act on it, we can then petition for a review of that denial and get to the merits without having to worry about these procedural issues that we've hit in some of our other cases. So that's why I say, deny it, you cowards. Yeah. We'll see you in court. <laughs> well, and this is really a defect in the Administrative Procedure Act, the way it's set up today, is that 
agencies can. They haven't been mulling this over for the last five years. They know damn well and good what their position is on this. But just by not acting at all, they create a situation where we're either forced to go to court and say, hey, they haven't acted on it yet, you know, make them act on it. And if you do that, typically what courts will do is say, yeah, you guys really, you need to speed up and, and act on that faster than you have, which yeah. doesn't get you very far. And that's what's played out in um, with Coinbase over the past six months. They had a couple of petitions to issue rules about crypto. Um, SEC didn't do anything, didn't deny them. And they came in with a mandamus petition saying, act on our petitions. And Third Circuit said, okay, well, we'll give them some time to figure this out. In the meantime, SEC files an enforcement action against Coinbase for violations of the Securities and Exchange Acts because of the way that they handle their crypto, which would have been, you know, taken care of by the rule they proposed. And while they're doing this, court gave them a couple updates. The most recent one was due, I think, December 15th. And on that day, the SEC finally denied their petition. Same day, Coinbase then sort of petitions for review of that denial. But all the while, they're defending this enforcement action. And it's like, we're talking about government resources again, this is a waste. <laughs> you know, this is a waste. Everybody knew the second they filed that enforcement action what SEC's position was on crypto and their rule. They could have denied this six months ago, but they made Coinbase go through this mandamus practice and took up the Third Circuit's time with it, knowing full well they were always going to deny it. And that's why that's that's a level of frustration I have. We know where they are. They just want to avoid having a court say, you are wrong on this, because we know from the handful of case courts that have sort of commented on the substance of this, the merits of the argument, the First Amendment, have universally said this is absolutely a prior restraint. Judge Jones and Judge Duncan in the Fifth Circuit called it like the most clear prior restraint they have ever seen. Yeah, I think the quote is a more effective prior restraint is hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah. And and then um, Judge Ronnie Abrams from the Southern District of New York, who sees a ton of securities cases um, in that district, Uh, She sort of put a challenge out to the SEC when they filed one of these and said, you know, I want you to explain to me why you think you can do this um, as a judicial sort of order to explain yourself. Um, And she wrote an absolutely brilliant opinion, um, was ultimately bound by circuit precedent. She couldn't do anything about it, but very clearly said this has all the hallmarks of prior restraint. It's clearly a First Amendment violation. Um, so the SEC sort of knows the writings on the wall if this gets to a real court. Is there a roadmap to getting it to a real court? I mean, deny it, you cowards. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think that the, the next step is we've sold them. We want 90 days. It's already been five years. Day 90, if we have to file a mandamus petition, we'll file a mandamus petition. And then from there, we'll have to go when they finally deny it, um, which I, I can guarantee they're going to do. Um, unless, you know, they, they change the, the makeup over there. The scales and might fall from this, their eyes. You this, never yeah, know. yeah, who knows? Yeah. Miracles I, happen. Okay, yeah. well, you got the Christmas spirit. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and then from there, we would just challenge it through on the merits through a, a, a petition for review of that decision. But, you know, we shouldn't have to go through these hoops. And I think that, like you said, that's a, that's a defect in the Administrative Procedure Act. Um, and I think it's also sort of a failing that, over time, the right to petition, which is a distinct right under the First Amendment, has absolutely been gutted by the Supreme Court. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have to leave it there because that's all the time we have for this segment. But Kara, thank you for uh, coming and good luck uh, on this petition for rulemaking with SEC. Maybe we'll see you in court. Yeah. (laughs) 